Awesome. It's good to see you. If this is your first time with us, let me just say it's really, really good to have you. If this is your second time with us, we're really, really glad to have you. If this is your last time with us, it's been a pleasure to have you. It really is. We really hope you just find this uh, to be home where you can really come and experience God in a fresh way every single week and really just begin to grow in faith and in family. That's what we really believe it's about. Uh, it's been a great summer for us so far. I just really felt encouraged to see um, just us growing spiritually as a family, see us growing in numbers and um, in family. It's been a lot of fun going through the, the book of James. And then today we're actually going to kind of hit a pivot point. Uh, we were really kind of just discussing the tension between uh, works and faith that James kind of brings to the table and, and uh, something that we wanted to really embrace, not just this year in the seventh month during July, because today's the last day. We'll start July tomorrow. Not just this year, but for the life of our church, a principle that God puts in place and we think is so um, elementary sometimes that we just kind of forget about it. And it really brings to the core of who we are and this kind of busyness that we experience in life. And for us to just, as a church, kind of hit the pause button for a minute, take a deep breath, and with everything going on throughout our entire year, experience Sabbath together. And really what that looks like for our life um, and, and I think I don't have to use hyperbole to talk about the stress that you experience uh, in your daily life, whether it be with work or family or kind of figuring life out with purpose or calling, stress, deadlines, um, self-image, whatever kind of stresses you have. I don't have to make hyperbole around that. I think you know that already. Uh, and so I hope if we can dive in this series together, what we'll begin to experience is more than just one of the Ten Commandments and more than just a principle or another rule or law to keep, but what we'll find is that, that God has put this in our lives for us, for us, Sabbath is for us, and then we'll begin to experience new life in our marriage. It may save our marriage at some point. It, it may restore a relationship with our kids if we really get, grab a hold of what this means to our life. This may kind of unlock some kind of financial freedom uh, as we begin to plug away and understand this discipline that has to come in our lives. And so I, I, bring it's gonna, I believe it's going to bring new vitality to each one of us if we'll dive in and, and just let God's truth kind of be revealed in our lives. Um, so it, it's no secret, and I don't even keep it a secret, that I'm a recovering workaholic. Uh, it's no secret. I, I talk about it all the time. It's something that I've struggled with for many years. It, it's actually a part of my heritage and almost our pride. And many of us experience that kind of pride of uh, being um, Americans and working hard. 80 and 90 hours a week doesn't scare me, and it doesn't, it's not odd for me to go through seasons where that's just life. Uh, but I've seen the toll it's taken on my personal body, my personal mind, my, my, my relationship with my wife and my family. And, and I, like I said, I'm recovering. And so this morning I, I come into this topic and kind of provide an intro and just kind of an overview uh, for this series for us as what Paul called himself the chief of all sinners. Okay, so I don't come up here with, with all the answers. I really come up here with scripture that we're going to dive into. And, and a guy who's been through it kind of in the depths of, of just stress and weight of the world. And I believe that God wants to lift that from us today as we really understand what it means to really rest in Christ. Um, so I, I come to you in that place. And all of us experience stress. Stress is necessary, actually, in our life. Did you know that? I think I've actually heard from a medical professional that if we didn't have stress, our hearts would stop. If there was no stress whatsoever. So all of us have some level of stress. Um, my body, every, every one of us react to it differently, too. I've been performing in front of people, you know, with music and stuff for, you know, 10 or 12 years. And I've always had this weirdest reaction. Like, the larger the performance, the more sleepy I get. 
Like everybody's got butterflies. Like, do you have butterflies? I'm like, no, but I could really use a nap right now. And the funny thing is I can't take naps ever. I was just talking to someone. I can't take naps. But for some reason, when I get in front of people uh, and I'm super nervous, my body just kind of like goes the opposite way. There was a time where I was really stressed and I didn't even realize that my eye was twitching. And I was like, Am I got allergies going on? I asked some, some people in the nursing field. I said, what's going on? They're like, you're stressed. And, and I'm like, I don't feel stressed. But really, my body was dealing with it in this weird way that was making my eye twitch. Sometimes I'll, I'll, um, I'm so exhausted, and then I lay down, and what happens? I wake up in the middle of the night when I'm so exhausted, so stressed. Anybody ever experienced that before? All of us kind of handle stress in different ways. Some of us go into a cave and don't come, don't come out until we're ready to see people because we're afraid of what might happen. Um, there's uh, something I wanted us to do as a, a group to kind of walk through and identify the stress level in our life and really talk about what's appropriate amount of stress, and then we're going to dive into Scripture. But I think it's important for us to kind of get all on the same page, at least see where we're at in this process. Because some of us may be overstressed, some of us may be actually understressed. And I'll talk about that a little bit. There's a, a kind of a, a mega pastor up in, um, mega church pastor up in, I think, Illinois. Uh, his name's Bill Hybels, and I heard him do a talk on uh, really the stress in our life and what they go through with their church staff and, and everyone across, the, I don't know how many people they have on staff, but a ton of people, they go through every single person, they, they kind of help them find where their stress level is and they think it's really important and they, they also use the, the language of challenged, being challenged you know, in, in your life. Uh, and it's something I want us to dive into together. It's something I did with our staff um, a few weeks back at a leadership retreat. Uh, and you may or may not be able to see this. Uh, but basically, he breaks it up into five categories of, of where we're at. You can either, you can, if you're understressed in your job or you have employees or, or people that work for you or with you, um, and they're understressed or under-challenged, at some point they'll leave. Uh, they'll be over it. They don't feel any kind of pressure or challenge. And so at some point, if they're not feeling that, they're going to go find something else to do because all of us kind of want something more kind of with our life. We want that level of challenge or we'll just be way underperforming. There's also an appropriate amount of stress. Um, and you're never at maximum capacity when you're just kind of floating by. We go through the seasons where we're like, I'm not going to push real hard. I'm just kind of floating through. I like the way things are going. I'm not going to push too hard. I'm going to take my time. So that's kind of an appropriate amount of stress. Overstressed is where uh, most leaders, and they said 95% of lead pastors live in this area. People that kind of step in my role. 95% of people in this, uh, high politicians or people that lead uh, corporations or in major leadership pressurized areas. Why do you think we see so much kind of fall and them crack under the pressure? It's because they live overstressed, overchallenged, and it's not a healthy place to be for long term. I think you're beginning to figure out where you might be. Just below, you, you, you may be just kind of, again, floating through and you lack a, a certain zeal or passion for the area that you're in. This can happen in our family. All these are, are present. This has happened uh, at work. This is present in ministry at church. Whatever it looks like, we're somewhere on here. And you may feel like you're in one place, but you actually may be in another. And really, Heibel says that really the best place for us to be where we get the maximum potential is just above, you know, uh, above being appropriately challenged, where we're just pushing. There's always that edge to us where we're always a, a little bit more aggressive about our growth, okay? So we'll get into that a little bit more, but hopefully for a second that kind of gives you a picture of maybe where you're at. Maybe you're overstressed. Maybe you're just kind of floating along and not really experiencing the passion and zeal for life and your calling. And, and, and maybe you're just under stress. You're just waiting. Maybe you're waiting for a job. If you're, you're looking to be employed, this is probably an area you're in. You're under challenged. You're under stressed. And so you, your brain might wander and you're not getting the best out of yourself. So 
all of these areas, some of us fall somewhere on this. And so it's important for us to kind of realize where we're at and then kind of as we approach Scripture, let God speak to us about where we're at and the steps we need to take in the coming days. Okay, so everybody with me? Good deal. So here we are. I think God wants to speak to us about the rest of our life. Let's pray together. God, we thank you. I thank you for this moment, this, this space that we have to inhale and exhale and just take a deep breath, God. Um, not just for this day, but I pray that we would learn to take that deep breath every day. Take that deep breath every month, every year to just inhale and exhale and know that, that you're, you're God and that uh, you make all things new. God, you make um, the wheels of our life churn, and I, I pray that, God, you'd just, um, for those that are living under challenge, God, you'd install that passion and vision for our lives. For those that are over-challenged, I pray that we would just find personal discipline to learn to rest. We thank you for this time. Amen. So let's dive into Scripture, and we're going to first begin uh, by looking at where this whole thing starts. Can you guess kind of where Sabbath actually started? It started at the very beginning of the story. God, uh, Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3, says that God worked for six days. Do we have that Scripture? We throw that up there. God worked for six days, and on the seventh, he rested. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So we see the first example of Sabbath and of rest, this whole seven-day thing, whether you, I don't care to get into the argument about seven literal days or periods of time, it's, it's not a part of this conversation, but what we, will, we can look at here is that God rested. For a period of time he saw rest, and he modeled it. There was no law in place, there was no rule, there was no people, he was modeling it. So this is kind of the first place we see it. And now jump to the New Testament, and we see in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, where Jesus, the, the Son, models it. So the Father models it, the Son models it, and Jesus is teaching about it first. They're, they're actually doing good. They're actually like picking up some um, you know, grain and like barley to eat on the Sabbath, which was like a no-no. We're going to get into how Jews kind of looked at the Sabbath, that it was a law. It was a holy law, and like literally they would kill people for, for not keeping the law. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This is Jesus teaching the Pharisees after they're kind of condemning him about doing something good on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, every day is good to do good. It's okay. He said, the, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So this isn't about you doing something. This is about something that is for you. And, and, and so we're, uh, we're going to look at here in just a second that the Jews really saw this as a holy law to be kept. For us, it's now a gift. It's now a gift. It's not just a holy law. So Mark 2.27, look a few chapters later in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 and 31, and we see that the disciples are very early in their ministry, and, and John the Baptist, who is Jesus' cousin, just got beheaded for like ministry and preaching the gospel. So imagine you just started a job, okay? Imagine you just started a job, you're like going after it with the team, and all of a sudden... Um, someone on your team kind of gets beheaded. Not kind of, they get beheaded. <laughs> you don't kind of get beheaded. <laughs> it's, it, it's a done deal. <laughs> so it gets beheaded, and like, what's your reaction? Like, stress level going down, stress level going up. I think it's going up. I think Jesus understands this, and immediately at this point, he says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught in verse 31. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Uh, have you ever, ever been so busy that you don't even take a, have a chance to eat? 
I think sometimes we have trouble really, you know, I live that all the time. I think sometimes we don't really wrap our brain around what it looked like for the disciples. Like, they, there was no tweeting, there was no sharing of the event, but literally people were crowded around them all the time. Somehow word got out. So Jesus is taking them, and the only way they know to kind of get away from people is to hop on a boat. Like, you want to find some desolation, go out in the middle of a cruise ship or something. Maybe not. You probably don't want to, you know, catch on fire have to deal with that, but take it on a boat on the middle of a river or a pond, and you'll find some rest. And so on the journey, they kind of get their rest, and, and by the time they, they're looking for a secluded places where Jesus is taking them, by the time they get over there, guess what? Everybody's crowded around. They meet them over there. The multitude, that's known as what happens in the next few moments, is known as feeding the multitude. There was thousands and thousands of people that showed up. I don't know how they got the word out so fast, and, and, but these people needed to see Jesus, and they needed to be close to Jesus and his disciples. They knew there was life there. And, and so they're going to rest, and then here they are presented with all these people, and the disciples are like, Jesus, we don't have any food. What are we going to do with these people? Shouldn't we just send them away, right? Let's send them away. We've got nothing to feed. It's like late. Like there's nothing here. There's no restaurants. Like Taco Bell's not around the corner. Like what are we going to do with them? And Jesus says, have everybody have a seat. We're going to do this. (laughs) And he feeds the multitude. Um, He multiplies what little they had and he multiplied it among thousands of people. But in the middle of that, he was still able to do good on that. So Jesus not only practices the rest that maybe they got on the way over there, he's still practicing good is still to be done even on this day. And we can find life in serving. And so even with our rest. And so Jesus talks about it. Jesus models it by his own life, teaching others to do the same thing. But really, we're, I think it's kind of filtered. is not from these stories of Jesus taking rest. The, the one that comes the most to the top of our brain is in the Ten Commandments. Uh, we see this. Uh, we see it in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Everybody know how many Ten Commandments are there? There's, there's 10. You guys are sharp as can be this morning. There's 10 commandments. The fourth one is this, this uh, law that was given down. It said, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. So it's a holy law. There's something to be set apart, to be different from all the other days. Six days you'll labor and you do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. Your God. On it you shall do, um, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor any animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Like everybody, don't make your kids do chores when you're taking a break. (laughs) Some some of us, that's why we're having kids, is to have somebody mow the grass. Um, For in, I was talking to me, um, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and he made it holy. A bunch of times it talks about blessing it, doesn't it? Every time you see the Sabbath shows up, you see blessing with it. But it's about honoring God with that day. And and we're going to get into more of what this looks like as a gift to us. And and it's more than a law, more than just, you know, something to, to, to another rule to keep. It's life-giving if we can grab a hold of this. So there's Ten Commandments. A lot of them that are really, really important in our society use very few words. Thou shalt not murder. We think that's a kind of a big deal, right? So he uses very few words. Thou shalt not steal. Uses very few words. We get really upset about people doing that. When, when someone has a, a adultery or is, is coveting something we want or lying to us or worshiping idols, <coughs> excuse me, we get really upset about these things, but when's the last time you got upset because someone said, man, I'm just working so hard I can't take a break? 
You know that God uses more words when it translates to the English language, more words um, in, in using, talking about this commandment than any of the others. He uses 94 words in the English language. It's more than all the others. Sometimes it's just, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not murder. Like four, four or five words. And in this one, he uses 94 words in the English language to describe and talk about this. Why? Because he knows we'll probably break it. Because he knows that we're prideful, not as Americans, but we're prideful as humans. And we think that we can do this on our own. And seven days of us working is better than six days uh, of us working and then allowing God to multiply the six days. Uh, trusting God. And so what we're going to find as we kind of go over the next five weeks is, is really that this isn't about a rule. It's about a gift. And, and it's about what God wants to do for us. It, it, it's about multiplication as we learn to trust and put our faith in Christ, not in, in just one area of work, but in the area of our family, in the area of our finances, in the area of uh, just our, our mental stress and capacity, finding rest, finding faith and trust in Christ. That's, this is always the tension from the beginning of time, and our relationship with God is about trust and faith and pride and humility. It's, a, it's, it's that kind of tension that goes on there. Um, between us and God. And so we see it modeled and we see it become a holy law. Every day has its unique feel, right? Uh, Mondays have their own feel. We talk about having a case of the Mondays. Like everybody hates Mondays. Mondays are like my, one of my favorite days. I get so much done on Mondays. People talk about, man, pastors should, most pastors like take Mondays off. And like, that's like my day, like where I'd come off. I'm so stoked just about the weekend. I put my foot on the gas pedal. I just go after. I get so much done on Mondays. And everybody's like, I hate Mondays. Um, Wednesdays have their own feel. It's hump day, right? We kind of look ahead to the weekend. Um, that was kind of the thriller move I just did there. You guys see that? Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, Fridays have their own feel. TGIF, right? We're excited about that. You guys remember those old TGIF shows? A few, a few of you. Um, Fridays have their own feel. Saturdays, we love those. But God says this, this one day, all, God's in all of them, and all of them are blessed, but this one day is going to be unique. It's going to have its own special kind of relationship with me, because in it, I want you to trust me completely. I don't want you to do anything. Can anybody just identify with me? I said I'm the chief of all sinners with this. Anybody identify with me that we're really good at trying to do it ourselves, right? We're really good at working through our issues, right? And not being real with God and other people. And let me just plug our anchor groups for a second. Like, if you're not a part of those, and literally they're all over the place, I don't know who's in them and who's not many times. But these are life giving, these are places to, to take a, a break and just really invest in each other. And it's not about someone sitting there teaching you, it's about us kind of digesting the word of God each week. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not involved in one of those, July is going to be a different kind of month for some of those. So you may find some of them taking breaks and, and stuff like that here and there. But as we kind of launch in the fall, get plugged in. Maybe you're ready to, to help lead one of those. Just an early plug on that to, to be praying about what, what God is going to lead you to do with that. So uh, we see it modeled. And, and I want to go a little further. And, and I actually want to take four chapters back from Exodus chapter 20. So they were just given the law, but again, we didn't talk about it. It's not a law for us. It's not a holy law for us. It's really a holy gift. It's really just such a beautiful gift, and that's what uh, Christ was saying. You weren't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for you. So let's go to Exodus chapter 16. Let's dive in here, and and, and I think God's going to speak to us at a lot of different levels in kind of our main text this morning. 
So let me set this up. Uh, Israel's just been delivered from generations and generations of slavery in Egypt. So this, this whole multitude community of people have been in slavery for a really, really long time. And now they've been delivered and they're out walking and they're like starting to complain against their leaders. They're starting to complain against Moses and Aaron, and they're like, look, we're really over this. We're hungry. We're in the middle of desert. How many of you guys know there's nothing in the desert? Anybody drove through Arizona or through, through Texas or New Mexico, one of those places? It's, there's nowhere to stop for miles. Like, hit your rest area before when you see it, because you're not going to see it for a while. Um, and, and so this is kind of what they're experiencing. They're hungry. They're grumbling, and they need God to provide. Sometimes maybe some of us are in there and like we just, we need God to provide and that's, that's when he shows up best. And so part of Sabbath is really allowing God to show up and not making it about what we can do with our own hands. And so we see him come to this part and so God tells them kind of how this is going to work. He's going to feed them. They're going to have quail at night and then something that, that they later call manna in the morning. So as the dew on the desert would kind of dry up. There'd be these little sweet, basically, wafers that they would be able to eat. And he said, you better eat them today because at the end of the day, by tomorrow, they're going to be rotten and full of maggots. It's pretty gross. Go and eat those things. If someone told you that, like, you better eat it now, like that tomato, it's literally going to rot in your mouth and just be disgusting maggots tomorrow, you'll probably eat it today. Uh, So let's dive in, and Moses is kind of giving the people some instructions about what this is going to look like and, and what they should do. He says, eat it today. Let's read the whole thing, and we'll come back and and tear it up. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. He's given it to you. It's a gift. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So he reminds them this so the people rest on the seventh day. So the first time they don't get it. The second time they get it. They understand what he's saying. Let's go back to verse 25 and let's break this down. Okay, so there's kind of just so much just kind of meat in here, I think, for our life. So I'm going to kind of try to bring some of it out today, and I think it'll apply to different, different people at different places. So eat it today. I think there's, there's some of us that um, we work so hard, and, and we just never stop to enjoy life. And, and I think that God could speak to us through, some, uh, through this verse that says, eat it today. Some of us are, are storing up everything. We're storing up our energy and storing up uh, our finances and, and storing up um, all this money, but we're, we're kind of losing our family. Maybe we're losing our marriage. Maybe we're losing our sanity in the process. We're accomplishing all these great things, but we're losing our own soul. And, and for some of us, that may just be a reminder to eat it today. Like, go ahead and enjoy today. Eat it. God's going to provide tomorrow. He's going to do that, but we've got to just trust in him and enjoy today. Sometimes uh, we used to have this uh, spiritual mentor that uh, he would speak into us like, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. And I'm like, received (laughs) the most spiritual thing. So sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is do nothing at all. And we don't get that, do we? Like we get the most spiritual thing we can do is like doing, doing, work, work, work. And really he's saying, I, I think in this, eat it today, trust in me. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just to rest. 
is to do nothing at all. And we can make excuses all we want, and we can feel the pressures, but really when it comes down to it, we're just not trusting God. And he said, how long will you refuse my instructions and my commands? Uh, You won't find any of it on the ground tomorrow. Let's continue. Verse 26. Six days are to gather, but on the seventh day, there won't be any. Continue verse 27. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. Some of us will, will hear this message. We may hear every single message after this. And we will leave, and what will we do? We will do our stubborn thing, and, and we'll keep going with it. And like, let me tell you, God's been working on me for this for a long time. Like I said, it was like, it's almost genetic in my family that we're really, really proud of our hard work. Like if you, if you say the Nelsons, what they're about, most anybody will say, those are hardworking folks. That would kind of be what they attach to, like our family tombstone. <laughs> we died working hard. That's, that's our thing. And so I come as a chief senior that's been dealing with this for a long time, but I think there's many of you that kind of identify with that, and we're going to push through, and it's kind of, especially in the South, we're going to work harder, we're going to make this work, and it kind of becomes our spiritual disease as well as our practical and physical disease. We don't trust God with that seventh day. We don't trust him with our time. We don't trust that God can go further with us taking a break than, than us going and working through that. And we don't, also don't realize what we're sacrificing. Not only are we we're hurting actually actual areas, and we don't realize that God is fighting for us. He's always working harder than us. You think you're working hard? God's working hard. He's working. I can't even fathom like the... the I, I, we, I said at one point when we... Um, we started this church, and we called it Fathom, that any time we used the word Fathom, people would get points. Like, we do a point system, and you get, like, a gift card at the end of it. I was completely joking, and I just pulled it. Nobody even said anything. Um, nevertheless, some of the people went out to gather it, but they found none. Let's continue verse 28. Try to head, head in. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Verse 29. Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That's why on the sixth day he gave you bread for two days. Everyone's to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one's to go out. When he gives us bread for two days, this is, I think this is going to speak to us, a, a lot of us financially. I mean, many times we get ahead just a little bit. You know, we get that extra bonus or, or we get that extra overtime. And then when it comes in, like, what do we do? Like, anybody have, like, the, the burn in the hole in your pocket type disease? Anybody want to point to a family member? No? No? <laughs> um, we have this kind of thing where it, it, when we have it, we want to spend it. And um, I, I think we have this real perception that, that saving um, is like of the devil. But really, the Bible talks about it so much. Like, look through Proverbs. There's so much about saving for the winter. I'm telling you, my family in the past year, and I'm just being completely transparent, we saved a lot of money at the beginning of our marriage. We, we were blessed that, that Taryn was working, and she was able to save a lot of money. And literally, we wouldn't be here today if we had not saved that money, if she had not worked and saved that money. It didn't make sense to me when we were long distance for two years and she was saving like she was. It made no sense to me. In fact, when she did it, I was kind of upset about it. I'm like, why are you leaving me nine hours away and going to work? I'm like, I thought she just wasn't into me at that point because <laughs> we, got, we got together really soon um, into my college career, and so... Cradle robber. Um, and so, <laughs> so I'm, but now it makes sense to me. I'm so thankful that God allowed us to save and for her to save early on because we couldn't have survived. We couldn't have survived the, the winter. Um, but, you know, he gives us bread for two days. That's for when the washing machine breaks or the car breaks down or we have to go to the ER because we got food poisoning from that burger we should have never ate. You know, whatever it is, you know, 
God gives us bread for two days sometimes, and, and we're just frivolous about it. And some of you, like the most spiritual thing you can go is go take a nap today. Some of you, the most spiritual thing you can go do is go look through your finances and check out your budget. That's the most spiritual thing you could possibly do this afternoon is figure out where your money is going and, and where the bread that God gave for two days, where it's at. And here's what I, I think is really interesting is, is when they went out, they didn't find anything. They were going to work. How many of you, there's at least one day a week in, in which you go into work and you feel like you got nothing done? Anybody? There's at least one of those weeks. Sometimes there's multiple times a week where we're like, man, I worked really hard today. I was going after. I didn't get squat done. Like, how did that happen? And I just wonder if, if God would speak to us. Maybe this is us going out and, and we're not really resting. I wonder, and, and this is not biblical. This is just me asking a question, okay? I just wonder if, if we honored God with the Sabbath, whatever that looked like in our lives, if we begin to honor, I wonder what kind of productivity we'd see in the other six days. I wonder what kind of blessing we'd see because when God blesses something, he doesn't just bless the peace, he blesses the whole. You see that? He doesn't just bless that one day, he's really blessing it all. It goes into our finances, it goes into our family. When we really consecrate it and honor him with that time and that effort um, and with that worship, it, it's not just about resting, it's about honoring him. When we go and we, we sit down in our chair at the beach, it's not just taking a break away. It's like, God, I'm, I'm really thinking about that, but like I, I choose to just like leave that at your feet, and I'm just going to honor you with this day. Like, Could we make that a spiritual journey? Like where God is not just in pieces of our life, but he's literally even down to our rest. Us sitting there is worship to him. Us sitting on the beach and enjoying this beautiful creation is actually worship to him. Because we're honoring and we're trusting him with that, knowing that we cannot do this without him. That's why he put it once every seven days, like he put the table and that we're going to get to celebrate here in just a minute, every time we gather together so you don't forget things. Don't forget that you can't do this on your own. We're really convinced that we can. Let's finish this, this passage here, verse 30. So the people rested on the seventh day. They finally got it. So the seventh day looks different uh, for all of us, sometimes it's just going to be once a day. It's going to be that 30 minutes. I was talking to a friend of ours here in the church who's, uh, who's actually leaving, and, and he was, man, it's so, he was just pounding to me. It's so important for everybody to take that 30 minutes a day, take that 30 minutes a day where you really just rest, you do something you really, really enjoy. It honors God, and I'm like, man, you're dead on to the message we're getting ready to get into. And I said, you're exactly, exactly right. So here's, a, I, I want to kind of wrap up. Uh, as we begin to wrap up here in just a second, is that many times, here's how we view it, and I'll try to write this big and bold enough as possible. We've, we view this like this is our days. This is a really bad marker. Um, one plus one plus one um, plus one plus one. How many I got there? One, two, three, four, five. Um, man, I got confused here. Um, plus one plus one plus one. One, two, three, four, five, six. Is that right? Six, yeah. Um, and then we think, it's, we think if we work you know, seven days, this is our best option, right? Is we work every day, we get a good solid day, and at the end of the week, we'll be better off. We've got seven, right? And then, but really, here's what God wants to break down for us, um, is that one plus one plus one plus one plus one, I did it again, one plus one um, plus one, one, two, three, four, five, plus one, six. We think when we go here, 
we actually, when we don't work, we think we get a zero, right? We think when we're not working, nothing happens. But really what God wants to get into our brain today is that this isn't plus zero, it's times two, or, you know, the, I think the op- options are really endless, that God doesn't, God doesn't just add, he multiplies. What we can do in an in, in, uh, eight-hour day, God can do in an instant, God can speak it to someone's mind to, to bless you in, in whatever, beyond your wildest imagination. And, and you, you, some of you may be looking at me and like, man, I don't see that math in the Bible. And, and, and maybe it doesn't show up like this because what this actually is is 12. So here's what I love to begin to dream about. And, and this math is completely made up. It's not completely biblical. But what I will tell you is that this same principle is in there because what God talks about on a regular basis throughout Scripture is sowing and reaping. And when you, when you honor God with your time, when you honor him with your money and with your energy and with your relationships and your conversation, you're planting a seed. When you choose to worship him, you're, you're not just working through that yourself, but you're planting a seed. And what happens with a seed is it grows to, um, to produce more seeds that produce more fruit. God, God doesn't add like we do. God's not on the same mathematical scale that we are. God multiplies where we can only add. And so when we think we're coming up with a zero, we're really seeking multiplication as we choose to rest. And we allow God that time. We honor him with it. And so what I love to think about is let's, let's continue this on. So the next week we're starting with 12 now. We're starting with 12 plus 12 plus 12 plus 12. Where's my math majors? I'm going to need you in just a second. 12 plus 12 plus 12 plus 12 plus 12. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Told you I was going to need you. Plus 6. All right, and then now let's multiply. Can I get an amen? That was nice. Um, so my math majors will probably get onto me for not doing this because I have to put the parentheses, right, to make it legit. And so I'm not sure, but if you do this one more time, what are we going to get? Um, on, on this, we're going to get what? We're going to get 14, is that right? 7 plus 7, that's 14. On this one, I think we're actually going to get, no, actually it would be 7 plus 7 plus 7, I think it would be 49. Uh, and so this one, we're actually going to get 144 when you times that by 2, 72 times 2. 140. So we can see how the multiplication happens. And again, this isn't in, in Scripture directly like a mathematical equation, so forgive me for just having a little fun with it. But I, I think, honestly, God doesn't add like we do. His, his mathematical setup is nowhere near ours. And, and you ask me, like, which one you want? And, like, obviously, I want, like, God's blessing. And, and I, look, this is, for, it's a gift for you. You're not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for you. It's a gift. It's not some law to make sure you keep and feel that pressure, like, oh, if I don't take this off, God's going to strike me dead. No, it's a gift for you. Like, if you were told, hey, you can go pick up a bonus check every week, if you want it. You don't have to pick it up. We're not going to put it on your check, but you got to go pick it up. You'd probably go get it every week. <laughs> You'd be like, first one in line, waiting overnight, ready for it. And this isn't about just finances. I'm using numbers so we can think this is about finances. This is in every area of our life. I think this is in productivity. I've seen it at play in my own life. When I honor God with this, I believe he just multiplies the work I'm able to accomplish. I, I, I believe that things run smoother because I find myself at rest in Christ. Um, God is working harder than us. He's working harder than us. He doesn't use the same math that we use when it comes to our lives. So it's a gift for us. I remember those times I was in college. I, I just started, and for those of you that are students in the house, you can probably identify with me. Um, 
mean, I, I wanted to graduate early. I met Taryn, and I was in a five-year program to begin with, and I was exhausted and overwhelmed, insecure, didn't feel right about anything I was doing. I studied music business and was just stressed. And every semester that I, I was in college, I went to the dean for approval to take more hours. I was taking 18, 19 hours most semesters. I was just stupid like that. Um, so for those of you that feel stressed, when I was 15 or 16, I, I, I did sports year-round, and I was working three jobs. I've just been an idiot my whole life <laughs> like that. I, I, I say that not to, again, get pride out of it. I, I get it to tell you I was an idiot. And I thought life looked one way, and I've learned since that God tells me it looks another. Because as I did every single one of those steps, it was about me. It was about what I could accomplish today. It was about what I could accomplish in the future. It was never about what God could accomplish through me in the future. It was never about what God could accomplish through me today when I find myself at rest in him. So this time I'm in college, it's my first semester. I'm stressed, insecure, scared. I felt everyone's better than me in the music department. Um, It was one of those days. You ever have those days where like, and guys and, and ladies, sometimes we're just ashamed to cry in front of people. And um, I remember going home to my little dorm room. We squeezed a couch in there somehow. And I just, I got all sappy and I lit the candles and turned Maury Povich on that was on our TV. <laughs> and uh, it, it, I just walked in. That happened to me on. I'm not a fan or anything. But I, I just buried my face in that couch with some sappy music and candles going on. Because that was like my image of what peace would look like. And like that's what rest was going to look like. Because I couldn't take anymore. I was like, I, was, I didn't have a whole lot left. And I just started. That was a sad thing. Maybe I was like the disciples. I just, just started this journey and I was wore out already. And I just buried my face. And I didn't have words. I was hurting so bad. You ever hurt so bad you don't have words for it? You're so stressed. Like I, I, I can't even figure this out myself. That's usually, that's our breaking point, right? We can't do it ourselves. Okay, God, now we'll let you do it. Maybe you're not there yet, but maybe you will be. And I, all I could just mumble out of my mouth, I don't even remember if it was in my head or out loud, into that couch was, God, I need your peace. That's all I could get out of my mouth. I didn't have words. I couldn't figure it. I just need your peace. And, and, and I can say this to you, and it won't, won't mean a whole lot to you. But I can tell you in that moment, I experienced the grace of God probably just as much as I ever have in my life. I just felt like immediate, like just warmth. Like he had just like hugged me and maybe that's too spiritual and sappy for you. But literally, I needed that right there. And all I could get out was I need peace. And like, and he saw me like head buried into the couch. I wasn't even looking. I, I don't even know if those words actually ever came out verbally. But he filled a gap of my heart that was hurting. And from that point on, I, I felt just a resurrection that God had a calling for me. I was not produ- pursuing ministry at the time. In the coming month or two, God changed my, my direction of my entire life. Because of that experience that I had with him, it was just all-encompassing peace that rocked me. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're not in that kind of tense moment right now, but I hope we can see this as 
as more than just a law, but a holy law, but just as a true gift that God wants to be present in our life. But let me be honest, it's not just going to happen. You're just going to walk out, and it's not just going to happen this week. Oh, I happened to get a day off this week. My boss happened to give me an extra day. He, I just happened to, you know, go sit out on the back porch for a few minutes. I just happened to do those things. No, 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 no. I, I've learned something that's called the discipline of rejuvenation. That you actually discipline yourself to rest. And, and some of you, that may mean not, not be a hard thing, um, because maybe you're on the, on the underside of that, but for those of you that are anywhere else on, on that, and the story is a little bit different if you're kind of under-challenged, under-stressed, but for some of us that this is hard because we're pushing all the time and we can make it happen ourselves, the discipline of rejuvenation needs to happen in our life. And we need to go home and maybe write out a plan with our, our spouse, maybe write out one with our kids of, hey, I, I, know, I know we don't, maybe don't have the extra money to, to, go, to go rest and vacation here, but this is what we're going to do to be able to rest. This is what we're going to do to make sure that we're rejuvenated to do what we need to do. This is what we're going to do to trust God this year, this week. And so daily, pick out 20, 30 minutes that's just what, what God gives you to, what's going to relax you, rejuvenate you for the next day. Pick it once a week. What's that thing you're going to do once a week on your Sabbath that's just going to relieve all the stress of the week and release you to, to your next week? What's the thing for the, the whole year that you're going to take, you're going to set aside that week, and if you can get the time off and say, God, this is what I want to do to rejuvenate myself. Athletes understand this. They know that, that if they work out every single day as hard as they can, it's not the best thing for their body. If they sprint and sprint and sprint until they can't sprint anymore, it's actually going to tear their body down. They're not going to be able to go as far. They're not going to be able to go as fast. It's actually hurting their body. Athletes understand this, and sometimes we just feel like we're in a sprint, that if we don't check that Facebook status, if we don't return that email right now, all the world's going to fall apart. It's time for some discipline when it comes to our rejuvenation and rest. And it doesn't happen because you, you had physical rest. It happens because you're at spiritual rest. I can't tell you how many times I've laid in my bed all night long and I can't sleep. I'm physically resting, but I'm not getting any rest. It doesn't matter how much physical rest is going on if we're not spiritually at rest. You may feel that turmoil. You may feel that tugging today. That's time to find our rest in Christ. Matthew chapter 11 says, it comes to me, all you who are weary, I'll give you rest. Let me throw that up there and read that. Come, I'll go wearied and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart. You're going to find rest for your souls. That's going to be preached in detail next week, and I don't want you to miss it. But can we find spiritual rest just as much as we find physical rest this week? So I don't know where you're at. Maybe the most spiritual thing for you to do this afternoon is go take a nap. Maybe the most spiritual thing you can go do is look through your finances and your budget, figure out where you're not honoring God. Maybe the most spiritual thing you can do is sit down and have a really, really good conversation with your spouse or your kids. Some of us, we've just been running, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be work. Sometimes it's work at home, cleaning, always doing something. We just need to find ourselves at rest. It's good enough for today. I'm going to find rest in Jesus for my soul and for my body. Let's pray together. God, forgive us. God, forgive us because we've, we've really sinned. I, I'm the chief of all sinners.
you know, that I run so, so many times just thinking that I can do this on my own and the whole time I'm not honoring you. I'm not trusting you, God, and I'm falling short and I just pray that you'd forgive me. God, you'd forgive us. God, for our pride. God, for our heritage of hard work. God, I pray that we would find a heritage of trusting God. God, I pray that we'd find spiritual rest in our physical rest. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would quicken our hearts to be reminded of the things you've spoken to our hearts through Scripture. For those of us that are, get, have our stockpile going on, God, I pray that you'd speak it to us to eat it today before it turns into maggots. God, for those of us that are wasting it away, God, I pray that we would be reminded, God, that you've given us enough for two days that will carry us over for tomorrow. God, and I pray for multiplication in every area of our life as we choose to honor you and trust you with our time, our mental focus, our families, and our finances. We trust you, God. Let's continue to worship this morning.